Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, welcome to episode 43 of the No Look Past Podcast, presented to you by WRSPN.com. We want to thank you for tuning in. You could be listening to anything in the world, but you're here with us, and we appreciate that. I'm your host, Ray Santos, who wants to shout out the Olympics for having the most, oh, insert dude I haven't seen in four years, still hoops, players ever, that I've ever seen in my life. And I have my co-host with me, Andy Flynn. Flynn, what's good? Hey, I just want to give a shout out to looking to wins against all of the, these foreign teams. You guys are doing a great job. That's what you get for singing that stuff on the plane. <laughs> Shout out to Andres Nocioni. All right, we are going to get into our show. This is a very special show for us, uh, for Andy and I. It's something we've been doing for, for four years consecutively. This is our second year on the show. Uh, Andy and I used to write for a sports website together, and that's where we started this tradition. And we've continued it on our podcast here. So basically what we're going to do is called our point guard draft, our annual point guard draft. So just imagine if you took all the point guards and just put them in a pool fantasy style like you do in 2K, and then you just drafted them for the next season. So it's basically our creative way of doing rankings. So we're going to pick from 1 to 30. I had the first pick. So for those of you who have common sense, that means any odd number picks were my picks, any even number picks were Andy's picks. So we are going to get into our point guard draft. We're going to start from 30 and work our way down, kind of build the suspense to number one, because Andy and I are definitely going to have a, want to have a discussion about that because it is something that we disagree on. Uh, probably maybe four years running now, actually, Andy, about who the, who the best point guard is in the league. So let's, let's run through. Uh, starting at number 30, uh, we have Darren Williams, 29, Corey Joseph, 28, Isaiah Cannon, 27, Sean Livingston. 26, Drew Holiday, 25, George Hill, 24, Ricky Rubio, 23, Alfred Payton, 22, Emmanuel Moutier, 21, D'Angelo Russell, 20, Marcus Smart, 19, Dennis Schroeder, 18, Derek Rose, 17, Brandon Knight, and then 16, Goran Dragic. So what we do is I'm going to go 30 to 16, and then we're going to pause because we each have a player that we picked that we kind of want to talk about, you know, whether we pick them too low or too high. Uh, the player that Andy wants to talk about is Drew Holiday. So so why did you pick Drew Holiday as one of your picks that you want to talk about? What do you think about him? I mean, I just think that, that Drew is a very interesting player in the sense that, you know, we, we find him way down on this list. Uh, he went 26. I actually – but, you know, he's just one of those guys that falls for me personally because he's so injury-prone. But, I mean, he can put the numbers right. together. And, actually, his PER, people probably wouldn't expect, but last year was, was close to 20. Uh, he's only 26 yeah. years old is another thing. I think people are at this point think it's been a few years because we remember uh, Drew Holiday having an excellent season with the Sixers right before they traded him. Kind of. He was – I think we had him I, ranked pretty highly that year, top 10. Um, you know, I know I was high on the kid. But ever since going to the Pelicans, he suffered the curse of the uh, Anthony Davis and – Eric Gordon's of the world and Tyreek Evans and they just everything fell apart. I, I do I think he's worth noting because he's so far down the list. Yeah, I think it's conceivable to say he could be a top ten. He would really bad an eyelash. Yeah, I, I mean I don't think that's that's far fetched at all. Um, the other thing I I want to say you brought up is PER actually eleventh amongst point guards last season in obviously limited action as as we're discussing. And it really brings me, I want to sort of, we usually do the social media dime after we've, we've done a subject, but our social media dime this week, which is uh, basically, if you don't follow us on social media, please do so. You're just snorting fun dip or something. I don't know why you don't do so. Uh, 
uh, facebook.com slash NLP pod or on Twitter, follow us at NLP podcast. And what we do is basically every day we post, you know, verses. We have a couple of games that we play, you know, a couple of times a week. And basically the one that receives the most attention, Andy and I, are, we're going to bring it on the show and discuss our opinion about it. And I, it's about Drew Holiday. And basically it was if for next season only, if you guaranteed 82 games. So let's just say, Andy, I just told you Drew Holiday's playing 82 games. Just book it, mark it down. It's happening. Uh, Drew Holiday versus Reggie Jackson. So basically the question is, your ranking for Drew Holiday is, is largely based on his health, like you just said. So if I could guarantee you 82 healthy Drew Holiday games, how far up this list does he move? Um, I, you know, the the interesting thing, and before I answer that outright, I want to note that, you know, we hadn't mentioned Reggie, which means he's not a third or he's higher than 16. Right. I feel like Drew Holiday, if he held the age two games, you give me that. I think he, I think he leapfrogs Reggie Jackson, in my personal opinion. I, I mean, I think they were they're similar now. Guaranteeing the right. eighty-two games, I'll take Drew Holiday. Same age too, I think. Yeah, I, they, they are around the same age, and I, I think I agree with you. If if you're telling me that Drew Holiday is going to play eighty-two games at the level in which Drew Holiday plays when he's on the court, I, I would think I would take him over Reggie Jackson as well. That being said, I'm definitely taking. I mean, consider not in a vacuum. I'm taking Reggie Jackson because Reggie Jackson is one, actually one of the more durable point guards. He absorbs contact. His game is kind of prone to injuries yet. He doesn't get injured, which is a big plus for me because if like drew holiday played the kind of game, Reggie Jackson plays, then I don't think he'd ever stay on the court just because drew holiday plays a speed game and he still gets injured. So, but yeah, if you're telling me drew holiday is healthy on the court, 82 games, I'm definitely taking him over Reggie Jackson. Um, It's, I don't want to say it's not close to me because I, I do like Reggie Jackson. He's actually one of my favorite point guards in the league, but I I, I wouldn't blink. <laughs> I mean, I take Drew. It's not really something I had to think about very long. Well, a couple things to note, I think, are that a Drew Holiday is a better point guard than Reggie Jackson. If we're talking True. simply from a perspective of being a point guard. He's the quicker player. He's actually an inch taller, and he has two additional years of experience to Reggie Jackson, despite being both 26 years old. So, I mean, some of these things to me are, are things that would stand out, being that their numbers and even their PER we just spoke of, Reggie Jackson's is slightly lower than Drew's, and, I mean, they're both very close. So, I, I mean, I think that's funny how similar they are, but it really comes down to being durable. And I just drew hasn't done it ever since, you know, we saw him shine the brightest. He's then just kind of falling down the cellar stairs from there. Yeah, absolutely. I said so cellar too. Am I from on. Boston? Cellar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to move on. The, the player I wanted to talk about was number 21 on our list. D'Angelo Russell. I think he's a very interesting player, and I wanted to talk about him because he kind of falls in a unique spot on the list. Because I don't know about you, Andy, but I sort of had two two guys where they were like my marking points. One guy was Derek Rose, and then the other guy was Ricky Rubio. So if we look at our list, and if you're not listening, you know, if you don't have it in front of you, if you didn't write down as I was saying it, first of all, do that. Second of all, uh, I'll do it for you. Uh, the guys after Derrick Rose are Schroeder, Smart, Russell, Moutier, Payton. To me, all younger guys that definitely have not reached their prime yet that have potential to jump up this list next year, you know, depending on how they perform this year. 
So, and then the other one was, was Ricky Rubio after that. So I feel like those were the, I couldn't put any of those guys over Derek Rose just because I still have faith in Derek Rose, but also I'm kind of selling on Ricky Rubio at this point. So I couldn't really justify putting Rubio over any of these guys that have more potential. So it really comes down to where do you value these guys individually? Cause I think they're all kind of similar. You know what I mean? If you tell me that you like Marcus Smart better than D'Angelo Russell, I'm not really mad at you because I don't know what either one of them is going to be yet. Um, for me personally, I had Marcus Smart uh, lower than Andy picked Marcus Smart at 20. I had him pretty lower. I think I had him at like 26 or 28. Um, just because I really like Russell's game better, although I think the people that are saying that Russell shouldn't be involved in a Westbrook trade or just uh, listening to too much Afro man that they should do that before they got high. And uh, But – that being said, I love Russell's game. I, I, I feel like he was very underutilized but you know, by Byron Scott mostly. I want to say the Lakers, but really it was Byron Scott who didn't really understand how to utilize a young core of players and just wanted to like, basically give Kobe his, his just due. But at the same time, I think that Russell suffered, and I think what we've seen from Russell is not indicative of what he's going to be as an NBA player, which I think is a lot better than what we've seen. For any sport, but I got you now. My service stinks. (laughs) Keep going. It's just so bad. But I think when you get a young player into a bad situation, which is what often happens, I mean, you you tank or you're just terrible, and you get a high draft pick, and these guys are looked at as if they're you know supposed to come in and save the franchise right away, and that doesn't always happen. So. I think D'Angelo Russell is kind of a victim of playing on a bad team. And it's hard, especially for a point guard to, you know, have great numbers on a poor team, especially when you're young, because oftentimes you'll notice these first second year point guards, they have the quickness and they can get to their spots. It's just learning what to do at the second level. And the game has to slow down a little bit. And it's very hard when you're playing in a chaotic situation, such as the Lakers. So my thoughts on Russell were I kind of cheated with him. I had him to the side the whole time. I did this with a couple of players, and then I kind of just pegged them in where I could, and I switched them a million times. Because you, you see the bright spots in his game, and you see that he'll have the opportunity because it, you know, he appears to be given the keys to this franchise. So you could see him you know, coming out and having an 18 or 18-point-per-game season, which would be quite the increase. And you know, I don't think anybody bats an eyelash. But if he struggles again, I don't, that'll be that shocking either given the, you know, the circumstances of that team. Yeah, he, he definitely, and I can see why you had him to the side, because he is kind of a wild card. That's kind of the reason why I valued Dennis Schroeder. He was on the above on my list of all of those guys that I just named, just because I've seen more of him. I've seen him in playoff situations. I know, I mean, I, I know what he has, and also I know that what, what I've seen from him is also probably not his best either, because he hasn't had that starting spotlight over, you know, a guy like Jeff Teague. And so that's why I had Schroeder kind of ahead of him because I've seen him in big moments. And also I see the potential of what he can be. And I think the way that the game has sort of changed, especially at the point guard position, I think it really benefits a guy like, like Schroeder. And that's why he was so high on my list. So we're going to move on because we already named out a couple of names that we're going to get into. So moving on in our list, we got 15 old school. It, it really hurts my heart to have him here, Andy. I, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, Tony Parker, 15 who I've told you probably for two years is the second best point guard in the league, no longer. The Frenchman, shout out to you. 
Uh, number 15, Tony Parker. Number 14, Eric Bledsoe. 13, Reggie Jackson. Number 12, Jeff Teague. Number 11, Rajon Rondo. Number 10, Kemba Walker. Number 9, Mike Conley. Number 8, probably one of the biggest jumps on the list, Isaiah Thomas. Number 7, Kyle Lowry. And number 6, Damian Lillard. All right, so the first guy we're going to talk about here is number 14, Eric Bledsoe. Andy, what did you want to say about Bledsoe? Because I definitely have some thoughts about Bledsoe. Well, I mean, Bledsoe is kind of your classic case of Drew Holiday. (laughs) Right. But we know he's a better player. So, you know, I I think with Bledsoe, it's obviously uh, another thing. He's a 26-year-old, just like we were talking about Drew Holiday, and he's constantly hurt. But, you know, we see him as a guy who is like a 20-point-per-game scorer when he's healthy, when he's playing. He has that ability to, you know, really be a star-caliber player on a squad when, you know, everything's working. And I think it's just unfortunate that his injuries have piled up. But I I do think, you know, being that I I especially hate to, you know, promote and put on a pedestal these guys that are often hurt. And with Bledsoe, he was another guy who I kind of had on the sidebar sliding up and down. And, you know, maybe it's a little bit of personal preference, but I think top eight if he ever, you know, can keep healthy. and Right. So for me, for, for Eric Bledsoe, um, I think something that's really hurt him in my rankings was the trade when Goran Dragic uh, went to the Heat because – like, when I watched Eric Bledsoe play with Goran Dragic, I was like, Eric Bledsoe's a lot better than Goran Dragic. That's, that's just how I felt when I watched them play together. Um, when I watch him play with Brandon Knight, because I'm a real big Brandon Knight fan, I find myself thinking, I'm not quite sure if Eric Bledsoe is better than Brandon Knight. So I don't know if it's because their games are just more different, and maybe I like Brandon Knight's game better than Eric Bledsoe and maybe better than Goran Dragic. But I always find myself thinking, like, why – why do I think that Eric Bledsoe is this much better than Brandon Knight? So then when I rank them, I sort of rank them together. And I often have, like this this year, I, I had Knight over uh, Bledsoe. I mean, Knight fell to 17 in our rankings, but that's because you took uh, Bledsoe at 14, and I still had Tony Parker further up. So I took Tony Parker, and then you had Goran Dragic over Brandon Knight, and then I took Brandon Knight at 17. So uh, that's really my thought about Bledsoe, especially with the injury concerns, but more so – I haven't really seen a solid, like a long-term solid season from Eric Bledsoe. It's a lot like you're saying. It is a lot like Drew Holiday. When he's there, he's great. But when he's not, or when he's not there, obviously you forget about him. But even when he plays with Brandon Knight, I, I don't know. It's it just I don't really see him that much better than Brandon Knight, in my opinion. I got I got you with me, Andy. All right. I think I lost Andy yeah, yeah. for a second. I'm, so, I think I'm here. Okay. Uh, I am going to move on and talk about my guy that I wanted to talk about, which is Rajon Rondo. Um, for me, Rondo was the, the guy that leapfrogged the most on this list because last season we had him. I think we were both just out on Rajon Rondo after last season. I, I think we, he ended up going 28 or 29, pretty low on our list. And we both said, I remember saying last season, it's a put-up or shut-up season for Rondo for me. And I think he put up. You know what I mean? He didn't shut up. I think he led the league in assists um, with with Sacramento. And 
you know, I think it might have been a little bit of cre- or, or uh, you know prisoner of the moment for us last season because if you look at Rondo's career, he really only had the one bad season when he got traded to Dallas, which was a disaster. Just because I don't see him and Rick Carlisle as really a good pair. So and and Rondo's a head case. Let's face it, a guy's a complete nut. So all it takes is one thing to go wrong for him to just go off the rails. So if he finds a good situation, I think we found out that he liked it in Sacramento. He liked playing with Boogie. But, I mean, I can't think of a better pair than Rondo and Boogie. It's just like the, the perfect couple. Uh, nothing bad can happen there. And I think he proved that he's, you know, a borderline top 10 point guard. That's just how I feel, and that's why I took him here at 11. You know, I feel like I had Rondo a couple slots down. And, you know, to me, I – I I think that he did have that season of retribution a little bit because we had him low last year, but I think he still ended up falling with the guys I had him lumped in with, which were, you know, like Kemba Walker and Jeff Teague and Reggie Jackson and Eric Bledsoe, these guys. So, you know, I, I don't know. The one thing obviously we don't, I don't like about Rondo anymore is the fact that we've come to this, you know, part of the NBA where point guards got to be able to shoot the ball. Rondo's never been, you know, good at shooting the basketball. He's one of those players that like you would, you know, jokingly say, I could probably shoot better jump shots than him, but it's not even really a joke because like if you can make some jumpers, you probably have a better jump shot than him. And we can say that for a few guys. Ricky Rubio, I'm looking at you too. But uh Alfred Payton, you're another one. So, uh, you know, I do think that Rondo still has a lot of value in the league and it's going to be interesting seeing him play with a guy like Dwayne Wade. Um, you know, consummate pro and then they have Jimmy Butler who's probably obviously the best player on the roster so I, I think this will be an interesting season for Rondo yeah I'm, I'm we talked about this last week I'm really looking forward to the Chicago Bulls just in general for a lot of the reasons that you brought up because they have three like really interesting players but none of those guys can really hit a jumper I mean, Jimmy Butler definitely has a better jumper, especially, like, from longer range. But Dwayne Wade's game is more of post-up now. And, you know, he 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 definitely still has that 18-footer. I'm not I'm not trying to play Dwayne Wade like that. I, I love Dwayne Wade. Uh, but we will see next week in the shooting guard draft, which Andy and I have already completed, how much we love Dwayne Wade. But I, I don't know. I, the more I look at this Bulls team, the more I really like it. And I don't know why I like it. I just want to see it on the court, I think, more so than I think they're going to be good. And Rondo is the head of that. I just feel like he's going to get so many guys in so many good spots. The one knock I can see with Rondo, especially on this list, especially this high, is you have to think, like, how much of what he did last year was just putting up numbers on a bad team and something that Rondo has been really infamous for, which is padding his steps. I mean, I don't think it's a false accusation to say that, like, sometimes Rondo's assists are cheap, you know, cheap assists, and he has, like, cheap statistics sometimes, sometimes at the end of games, sometimes he's passing the ball because he has to, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, I don't think that's an unreasonable argument. You know, and and I agree with you. And my last little take on Rondo is the fact that in this Bulls team is I'm kind of starting to come around to it. First, everybody was real quick to talk about how bad the spacing could be. And I agree. And I just, you know, spoke about how this is a shooting league, especially if you're a guard and Wade's not particularly strong. Jimmy Butler's not even 
terribly strong jump shooter, but he's the best of the three. But this team, I think, is going to be a lot like those Heat teams were with LeBron and Wade, as in they're going to use their defense to create offense, and they're going to be in those passing lanes. And when those guys are going to be on the move, that's going to be tough. I mean, that'll be a fun show to watch the three of them uh, finishing off these fast breaks. Uh, maybe in a sense not uh, the same team, but a similar situation to like what Portland was able to do last year, which was just defy expectations. And maybe they're going to bring you their own brand of basketball that that works. We know the NBA is fickle, man. So the next change could be right around the corner, and maybe it comes from these guys. Though I doubt it. I doubt it. <laughs> I like how you you had all that high praise, and then then you just said, "No, nah, I don't really think it's." I bad. talked myself so, out of it. Yeah. Let's jump into the top five, and I think we're we're probably going to include, uh, even though Damian Lillard was number six, I definitely think he's going to be part of the discussion that we have with the top five here because I, I think he's in that discussion. So number five, we had John Wall. Number four, Kyrie Irving. Number three, Chris Paul. Number two, Russell Westick. And number one, I took Steph Curry still with the number one pick. Andy is furious with me because I just I looked at his boy Westbrook and I said not me, not not today it's still stuck to me we will get talking about that in, in a little bit in a little bit here but first let's talk about Lillard I think we need to talk about Lillard Wall and Lowry because I think that is a core group of three where I think a lot of people have those in some particular order some people have it the way we have it Wall Lillard Lowry some people like Lowry more than the other two so, so let's discuss. How did you have that? I actually had it, and this is going to shock anybody who's ever read any of these lists because I've been like the biggest John Wall fan ever, but I actually had Lillard, Lowry, Wall. So five, six, and seven, Wall was my seventh. Wow. Yeah, so I, I actually had it the way that we have it. It, it went my way. So I, ha- I had Wall because obviously I had the fifth pick, and then you took Lillard, who I had, and I ended up just taking Lowry at seven. For me... I, I don't know. I just, I mean, Lillard definitely jumped up to me in my eyes. I was not really big on Damian Lillard last season. I think I was on record as saying Portland was going to be one of the worst teams in the league, and Damian Lillard was going to be one of the reasons they were going to be one of the worst teams in the league, just because I don't think he played enough defense to really, without LaMarcus Aldridge, I just I just thought they were going to fold, to be honest, and they obviously did not do that, so Damian Lillard shut me up. Good for him. Um, I always like being wrong, especially when it means watching more good players in the NBA, but there's just something about John Wall, his progression, even in a very disappointing Wizards season, don't get me wrong, but his progression on both ends, I think John Wall became more of a dynamic offensive player where he has go-to moves now. It's not just, like, John Wall used to be, I'm just faster than everybody in the league, including not named Russell Westbrook, so I'm just going to blow by you in transition. I'm going to blow by you off the dribble. But for me, John Wall became a smarter player this season. I, I saw, like, go-to offensive moves, whether it was, you know, uh, like more herky-jerky, not really just pure speed. And then defensively, I really thought he was able to lock in defensively and not just – I think Wall historically was just gambler on defense. He'd get a lot of steals, um, sort of like Steph Curry, to be honest. I mean, I don't know if Steph's a great defender, but he obviously has good hands. And I felt like Wall was the very same way. But because Wall is taller and big, I think he has more potential to be a great defender. And I think I saw that from him this season. So that's why I had Wall over uh, Lillard personally. You know, and I, I like John Wall. I've always liked John Wall. I don't even know what he was ranked last year, but, you know, I I've, I've tend to have him higher on this list. And Lillard coming into this, out of those three, is probably my least favorite player. But 
showed me something this season, and it's one of those things, you know, that it's just that extra thing that makes a player bigger than the moment sometimes. And, you know, we see it from guys all the time. You can you can have a an athlete who's, you know, not necessarily the best or the most talented at their position, but they just go out on the field and they play bigger or they go out on the court and they play bigger. You know, I think of Tom Brady a lot. It's probably why I said field, but it is being this type of player. But I, I do think that, you know, Damian Lillard showed us that extra thing that it takes to really be a big-time uh, superstar athlete. And I haven't quite seen that from John Wall and Kyle Lowry, though I do think that Wall, you know, could easily be the third-best point guard in the league, and I think the same for, you know, Lillard. I'm not sure about Lowry. Lowry's a little older than these guys. But, you know, I, I do like John Wall, and I, I think he fits right in there with, you know, Damian Lillard and Lowry and even Kyrie Irving. I mean, I had Kyrie Irving four. That's where we drafted him. I, I think he's great too. But, you know, I I, I don't want to get too carried away with Kyrie because I know that uh, Cavs fans already have. He's like the best point guard of all time. <laughs> yeah, I, there was, I think there's some Kyrie MVP talk, even though LeBron James is on his team. But, you know, I, I, I completely buy the net for the moment argument for Damian Lillard. He's, he's made big shots. Um, you know, you said Tom Brady, one maybe minor example. I mean, they throw any shade at Damian Lillard by putting him in the same category as Tim Tebow, like a guy that <laughs> you don't even understand why he's so good, but somehow in big moments and big games, he pulls off this play, and you don't really understand how it happened. All you know is that they won the game. And, you know, that that's kind of what Damian Lillard reminds me of. He definitely has that knack for the big moment. Um, quickly, uh, Steph Curry, number one. For me, I think people are way, being way too hard on, on Steph prisoner of the moment for me because this guy's season last season, the back-to-back MVPs, literally a historic regular season for him, and we're giving him, rightfully so, like a lot of flack for the fact that his team blew a 3-1 lead in the finals. I'm not, like, trying to excuse him, but I don't think it's so far where he's no longer the best player in the league, period. I still think he's the best player. Yes, I'm talking to you, LeBron James. I still think Steph Curry's the best player in the league, and I definitely think he's the best point guard. I mean, see, the thing for me, and I, and I don't even want to bag on Steph because we've been doing it enough in the off season, and I won't even hold the finals thing against him too much. I just, to me, it, it comes down to we talk about value versus actual talent. And, you know, I think that Curry has a special value, kind of like we'll talk about in a couple of weeks with Draymond Green, has a special value to his position. But I don't necessarily – and, you know, Steph Curry is obviously better than Draymond Green, so I, I make that clear first – but it's one of these things where I have to feel like Russell Westbrook, it, to me, I always think of it as something Jason Whitney used to say a lot. And I don't always say that Jason Whitney makes sense in case he's listening because he'll get a big ego about it. But when you look, if you were to look at these guys playing pickup basketball, and I think if you looked at these guys playing pickup basketball, you'd be like, wow, Steph's amazing. Look at the things he does. But, like, to me, Russell Westbrook, that would be my pick. Like, he – the, the drive, the way he plays, the athleticism, I just think – but, again, I, I can't – I won't kill you for Curry. I, Curry's obviously worthwhile to pick, the MVP, back-to-back, first uh, unanimous MVP. But I got to go with Westbrook, man, regardless. I just think Westbrook is the best player in the league, uh, and I think we're going to see a little bit of that this season. Move out of the way, Oladipo. He ain't getting the ball. <laughs> So, I mean, I, I can't give you any flack either for Westbrook because literally Andy has been on the Westbrook bandwagon probably longer than anybody I've known. And, I mean, people are all about Westbrook. Westbrook might be the most beloved player in the league at this point, I think, maybe even more than Steph Curry, especially after the KD thing. So, But Andy was way on there before any of you. So, 
really like the way we always wrap up these drafts is um, we always want to critique each other's picks as well. So, Andy, what was the most surprising player of, of my picks that you thought, wow, I can't, wow, well, he took that, he took that player there? So, you, I know you definitely always have that feeling, actually. So, just name one. You know, I always want to give Frank a hard time, and it was kind of hard this year. There was really nothing that jumped out at me, but I'm going to nitpick anyways because that's what has to be done here. And it's going to really hurt your feelings. I felt bad earlier when you were kind of mentioning it, but I, I went with Tony Parker. And the only reason I say it is because I just had him a few spots lower, but I really think you could make a solid case for uh, Dragic, Knight, Rose, even Schroeder over Parker at this point. He's you know kind of going downhill quickly. But all love Tony Parker. My bad. Yeah, no, I, I had to put some respect on, on Tony Parker's name. He, he's been doing it a long time. Uh, my my pick for you was Jeff Teague. I just thought he had a really down season, and I was surprised that you had him over guys like Reggie Jackson, um, you know, Eric Bledsoe even. Uh, you know, just I, I thought Jeff Teague took more of a dip because I think he was a, like 10 on our list last year, and the fact that he only fell two spots just didn't feel right to me. So that's why I was surprised that you took Jeff Teague uh, so high. So we are going to end our show like we always do. Like Jay-Z once said, we don't believe in you need more people. Andy, who more people this week in the NBA? The entire Olympic men's basketball team. Kyrie, if LeBron was with you, oh, you taking shots? No, you're doing that stuff? No way. Kyrie Irving is using this as a time to fool around because he knows he can't do it as a calf. <laughs> I am going with somebody that is nowhere near the Olympic team. Derek Fisher, you can't even coach anymore at the thought of being in the <laughs> arena as Matt Barnes, but you want to make a comeback and be on the same court with him. And you're how old? Nah, bro. Yo, Derek Fisher, the whole Olympic team, Daisy, were like, well, we don't believe you. You need more people. And with that, that is the close of our show. Join us next week as we continue our journey around the NBA. Make sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at NLP Podcast and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash NLP Pod. That's N like Norris Cole, L like Langston Galloway, P like Patrick Beverly, all point guards that weren't blessed enough to make our list. We will close as we always do with the great philosopher Jason White Chocolate Williams, who once probably thought basketball is a lot like last call at the bar. Sometimes it's better to pass without looking. And with that, we bid you good night.